Hey everyone, welcome to the A to Z of sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. I am a psychologist and accredited advanced gender, sex and relationship diversity therapist, speaker, author, and specialist therapist on Open House, The Great Sex Experiment on Channel 4 in the UK. Uh, season two is still uh, available for streaming. I have spent the last 35 years working with people to help them create and maintain amazing relationships with sizzling sex without shame. And we are working through our way through the erotic alphabet, one letter at a time. And today the letter is P and P is for preserving our history. And joining me on the show is Viola Johnson. She's a leather woman, activist, motivational speaker, and author who's been active in the leather BDSM scene for almost five decades. Vi has served as mentor to countless individuals and was dubbed mom by several generations of leather men and women. She's delighted to now be grandmom and great-grandmom to a whole new generation of kinklings. Vi is passionately involved in preserving the history of SM leather fetish communities. She is the owner and senior griot of the Carter Johnson Leather Library, and collection, which is a compilation of over 15,000 books, both fiction and nonfiction, periodicals, posters, and other art, newsletters, and ephemera documenting the history of SM, leather, kink, from early drawings documenting human sexuality to the present day. The Carter Johnson Library is a 501c3 traveling library designed to bring history to the communities it serves. She serves on the organization's board of directors, as well as on the board of directors for the Leather Hall of Fame. Previously, she served on the board of directors for the Leather Archive and Museum and other organizations. Vi is a lifetime member of Onyx, proud to be one of the eight original Pearls and member of Onyx Pearls Mid-Atlantic Chapter. She is also a charter member of the Tulsa Uniform Leather Seekers Association, the Lesbian Sex Mafia. She is an honorary member of many other SM leather fetish organizations. Vi has spoken at numerous academic institutions, including Bryn Mawr and Barnard Colleges, Orange Coast College, Oklahoma State University, and Keene College. She continues to speak and serve on panels and as a keynote speaker at a wide variety of events and organizations. Vi has received numerous honors for her work. She's the 2019 Forbearer Award from Tri-State Leather, the 2018 Leather Cherry and Lifetime Achievement Award winner and has received Lifetime Achievement Awards from Pantheon of Leather, the National Leather Association, the first Lifetime Achievement given by Blackbeat, and the Palm Springs California Pride Organization, Spirit of Stonewall Award. Additionally, the National Gay and Lesbian Task Force honored her in 2012 with its Leather, leather Leadership Award at its Creating Change Conference in Baltimore. Viola is 2014 inductee into the Society of Janus Hall of Fame, the recipient of the Pantheon of Leather Woman of the Year and Forebear Award, the Legacy Award from Sweat in the City, the Jack Stice Award, the Slave Heart Award from the Master Slave Conference in Washington, DC, the Golden Paintbrush Award at Southwest Leather Conference in Arizona. Viola is the author of two books, Dampier, Child of the Blood, and To Love, To Obey, To Serve. She's written for numerous magazines and newspapers over her 44 years in service to her tribe. Viola is the wife of the first black IMSL, Jill Carter, International Miss Leather, 1996, and they have been together for 49 years. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Lori. You know, you could have shortened that to two sentences and he was mom, now she's grandmom and great-grandmom. 
I know, but you know what? No, I like I like for people to really get it because we're talking about preserving history. And, you know, both of us are older. You're older than I am, but both of us are older. We're part of history. Yeah. Which is always interesting to me. <laughs> Every year it gets stranger. So let's talk about this because the climate right now is not good for preserving anything. The climate right now, let me rephrase that. Uh, the 45th president's daughter said something to the effect of, if we don't like history, we will simply change it. Yeah. Let's move up a few years to one of our governors deciding that they just don't like history, so they're going to rewrite it. Yeah. Uh, the newest thing out of the mouth of the governor of Florida has to do with rewriting the history of slaves. They learned useful skills that they could use in later life. Last time I checked, later life, they were still slaves. slaves. Or that um, in Texas, they weren't slaves at all. They were indentured servants brought here for a better life. And so on and so on. Congress yeah. wants to expunge the record of uh, a president to say that he uh, never had any trouble and to wipe it out of the congressional record and so on. And we could just keep rolling with this. Yeah. So, I mean, for, so for me, um, it's petrifying. And, and, you know, whereas we're a bit better off in the UK, we're not much. Um, I mean, some of what's going on is frightening. Now, at the moment, we're, they're trying to put immigrants on barges in, in the middle of the, the sea. Um, and, oh, if, if, well, if they're not sending them to Rwanda. And at so they're not suggesting putting them on barges and then lighting them on fire. True. Um, but we're, I, I just, I, I don't get it. And so I think it becomes even more important that we keep our records and keep our history and we keep it safe. And that we learn the stories so that we can not just, we're not just keeping the written history, but we've got the oral history because it's getting changed. It's amazing to me um, to see books get changed online. Books that they wrote, I mean, they rewrote Roald Dahl. Yeah. I, 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 I fail to understand how rewriting things is somehow positive. And this is coming from the left wing, not the right wing. That we should not, the movies we shouldn't watch because um, they were racist, sexist, blah, 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 blah. But we, so we shouldn't see them anymore. They shouldn't be allowed to be shown as that somehow corrects something. We cancel things, we rewrite things. And I, you must have an idea about this because I don't understand it. I don't understand how you prevent bad things from happening if people don't understand the context and the bad things. You just put something into a context that isn't taken into consideration in history. You use the term bad. 
Now, mm. let's back away from that and simply look at the rise and fall of many civilizations and many movements. If I can remove your history, then there is no proof you ever existed. Every civilization that has come up has tried to destroy the history of the civilization that was before it. Right. Okay. Now, they have not only tried to wipe out civilizations, they tried to wipe out ideas. Yes. ISIL, because I refuse to use ISIS, I happen to have too much reverence for the goddess. Thank you. <laughs> so went around destroying over 500,000 books that were upwards of 5,000 years old in order to eliminate anything that they believed might have been disrespectful to the prophet. But Islam had to be seen only their way, not Sunni, not Sufi, not any other form of Islam. If I can wipe that out, two generations later, you don't exist. Because if you did, there would be evidence. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. There's a guy on TikTok who um, watches movies now that are older that make him uncomfortable now. So he's watching them with his eyes now from the past movies and television and stuff. Um, and then he does a whole thing talking about it while they're while he's watching it, he plays himself and another self. And, you know, he's eating popcorn and then, you know, getting going, oh my God, to the various different things. And uh, one of the movies that he watched was Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. Yes. Now I remember watching that. Yes. As a girl. Yeah, as a and then when I, when I look at what's actually going on in that movie, which I didn't do when I watched it as a girl, I thought it was a fab movie, right? And given given my kink predilections, it was kind of a fun movie, various bits of it. But when I looked at it the way that he suggested I did with my eyes understanding things now, it's horrific. It's horrific. And yet... I would never say destroy it. I might say no. take circulation so that it's not constantly in rerun. If you want to watch it, go to the way back, plug it in, and feel free to turn it on. As we as a society have evolved, we've begun to learn better. But that doesn't mean wiping out the foundation that taught you the better things. We understand now that Disney's Song of the South was ridiculously racist. We had to learn that through new eyes and going, what the, were we thinking? Well, there's all, Disney's, Disney's notorious for that. Disney is notorious for that. Disney reflects the time. And that's the yes. other point. It's reflective of the time. So how are you supposed to understand yes. what the time was like if you take away all the media and, and the evidence of what it was like. Now, put a pin in what you just said. Your comment was, how are we supposed to understand? Playing devil's advocate to your argument, I'm saying you're not supposed to understand. I don't want you to know. Therefore, if I eliminate that, you will only see what I want you to see, regardless of what that picture is. Then you're, sh you're, shaping you're shaping the experience, though. Yes. Orwell said it 60 years ago. Oh, truth. He who controls the past, past. Controls, controls the future. future. 
Yeah. He who controls the present controls the past. Yeah. So I will shape your narrative for the future because I will eliminate anything that came before you. Why is it a bug up my ass? If you'll excuse the expression. Oh, don't worry about it. We swear like troopers here. First and foremost, we do not learn from our successes. They may bolster our confidence, but it's not something we learn from. We learn Failure. from our failures. Yeah. But the second thing is, and greater minds than mine have said it for generations, he who does not remember the past is and I condemned to repeat it. Condemned to repeat it. We're watching that right now. I swear to God, the number of things that are being done that were exactly what was going on in the in the late yes. 20s and, and 30s in Germany. I, you can see it. It's yes. right there. And, now, I'm, and I see it because I'm well-educated because I'm Jewish. I'm well-educated in what that looked like. Right? Practical. Yeah. As a parent. If you tell that handsome boy of yours, if you go out the driveway and turn right, there's a pothole there that hasn't been fixed yet. You have told them basically go around the pothole. Now that doesn't mean there isn't one farther down the road. But if you keep falling in mind, you will never get farther down the road. Yep. That which we are destroying guarantees we never go far enough down the road. Right. But it also condemns those who truly want to find bits of themselves, proof that they exist, and that for good or ill, they are not sitting at the center of the curve. Yeah. Is there any evidence that I exist because I'm a musician? Is there any evidence that I exist because I'm an artist? Is there any evidence of anything other than exactly what this new society wants you to see? Am I that horrible? Am I that dirty? Am I that unclean because I do this? Get rid of the evidence of that and you get rid of the hope. Not that I like the word hope. Mm. I prefer faith or hard work. But if I can destroy that, I can tell you anything and you must believe me. Because if I were lying, there would be proof. And we had a conversation about this some years back when they started changing things online. When they started changing, when they when they yes. with the push the push to digitization, and I remember in our conversation, one of the most important things that both of us felt strongly about was that you keep paper sources, you keep original sources, because if everything's digitized, it can be changed. Yes, and nobody will know. Yes, or worse, eliminated entirely. Yes. Uh, a wonderful young lady by the name of K.D. Diamond, who now works for the Museum of Contemporary Art, was publishing a magazine in both digital format and in print. And I was curious as to why she was in print, not that I was trying to discourage her. I was just curious when everyone is going to digital. 
And she looked at me and said, mom, what happens if somebody dislikes the word leather, pushes one button and takes it out of every electronic device mm -hmm. in the world? I go to print. You cannot get rid of the magazine unless you hunt it down and destroy it. Yep. The reason for the library is to guarantee you may wipe it out of the electronic device, but I still have the original paper copy. And it's funny because I, 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 I'm quoted in a lot of things. I'm interviewed in a lot. I do a lot of writing that, like you know, um, and I still keep paper copies of things. So if it's shown up online, I print it out so that I have the article in case it gets taken down. Um, yeah. And and you know some things get taken down for non nefarious reasons, like they recycle. So they they interviewed you, and then you know a year later they don't want to keep the archive anymore, and your your interview is gone when it was a good interview. So whenever I do a podcast or I'm on somebody's show, I like to try and get a copy and keep a copy. But anything written, even with podcasts these days, I'm doing transcripts. I take the transcript and I save the transcript. Because you're right, it can disappear. Yeah. The other reason for that wonderful paper copy is it also shows a writer's train of thought, which is something that many of our writers today don't think about because they're so accustomed to editing online. Well, you got it, and then suddenly you realize three edits ago, you said something that was really powerful and meaningful, and now you don't have it anymore because you've edited it out. Being able to compare that first edition to that third tells how you got to that point. That in and of itself is very important. I often remind people here in the United States, if you really want to see an amazing train of thought, Look at Jefferson's Declaration of Independence, but read his first draft, not his final draft. You can see Adams in his ear going, you can see on paper how those ideas transitioned to what we know today. But what was his first mind? What was his first thought? We know because we have both copies. We can read both copies. If I didn't want you to know what our founding father was thinking, destroy the first. Then this is all you have. This is all you will ever know. Because I made a conscious decision in my throne on high. Which is what's happening any hope that you had of finding out about your forefathers. Can't do it. Just can't do it. And when it comes to sex and sexuality and gender, and especially kink and leather, anything that isn't considered mainstream, this becomes even more important. Yes. Because the first thing that will be destroyed will be records of human sexuality. Because what have we argued, aside from long before we argued over religion, 
we were arguing over sex because of its dominance in our lives. Mm -hmm. Why did women become possessions instead of jewels and treasures? Because she's the one that could guarantee my family line. Yep. Hence the, I have to keep her, it goes from, I have to keep her safe because she is life giver to I must keep her imprisoned because she is life giver. And long before religion, long before Sarah sent Hagar to Abraham to bear a son, and look at how that mess worked out, uh, we've been arguing over women as possession. But the very evidence of that isn't new. It goes all the way back to Genesis yep. and other holy books. Excuse me, if we are both made in God's image, take a hike, boy. I really don't need your nonsense right now. But we are more than willing to keep wiping out those words so that that which is in power can justify its bad behavior. Well, sorry, that's not what it said. How do you know? Here, I can read it. Wow. Where'd you get a copy of that? Oh, you think that's hot? Here, let me show you something even older. Oh, wonderful. Oh, for the psychologist in you. Oh, I love it. Oh, my God. Havelock Ellis. Oh. This is one of the four treatises that up that created the uproar in London in, 18, in the 1800s. Indeed. We have all four. Oh, that's wonderful. You don't get to rewrite it because you will never learn if you do. And I mean, you know, Catholic Ellis was was problematic, but but a sex researcher, yeah. At a time when you know we didn't have that, so yeah, you should be able to go back and read that. You should be able to go back and look at that and understand the whole context. See how we've grown. Without Ellis's work as a cornerstone, without psychopathia sexualis, we yeah. would never be able to see how far we've come yeah. because we don't have the touchstone to begin with. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I find fascinating is that when you look at diagnosis, um, Part of the issues around diagnosis came from the only people they could do research on. So when they were looking at sexual sadism and sexual masochism, they did their original research was done on people who presented for therapy horrified by themselves. That was one group, but the other group were people who had committed crimes. Also true. And so that was where the paraphilias came from. Yes. And there was no research on, on are there ordinary people in the world? Because there always were doing these things. Or if there was research, it was very well hidden. Yeah. 
Well, research always depends on money. If I wanted to do a research project tomorrow on why porn is bad for you, I could have all the money I want. But if I want to do a research project on how pornography can be harnessed for positive things, I will not get a penny. If I want to research kink, it is hard as hell to get money on for that. So because the medicalized and the is is politicized, it's all politicized. Yes. He who is in power has the ability to control. That's just a variation on Orwell. And then there are some rebels like you and I who go, eh, you don't get to rewrite it on my watch. Eh, you don't get to retell that story incorrectly on my watch. Why? Because I have what you said four years ago. Want to hear it? We cannot, for the sake of our future, we cannot allow the past to be rewritten. Again, I keep coming back to Orwell when we talk about that. Uh, or getting even more severe, and this is a topic topic I will be very gentle with because my ideas on book burning, I can get on a soapbox and probably burn your ears off. <laughs> I hear you. Though. But if I can't rewrite it, I simply destroy it. Uh, pardon me? You, you, you want to what? You have heard me say before, I wouldn't use mine comp for toilet paper, but I wouldn't let you burn it either. No. How will we know not to to do something if we don't have an example of something that went horribly wrong. So that too must be preserved so that as a culture, as a people, we learn to move forward. Or again, that pothole, we keep falling into the same one over and over and over again. I didn't say there wasn't a pothole farther down the road but I'd really like you to miss this one because I fell in this one go farther down the road how far can you go before you fall in another one and then protect your next generation from that one so they go even farther move the sign you will keep falling into that pothole yep it's so disheartening it's so disheartening. I mean, I, I was, I don't know why I was shocked when the book burning started, but I was. Lori, I, I need to ask the therapist a question. Sure. What is so frightening about something ago that you cannot change, you cannot alter? that it is affecting, you want it wiped out so that it can't be learned in the future. You can't change it. You can't correct it. Your only option is to truly learn from it. At least that's my point of view. Why is yesterday so frightening that we must destroy it? I think I've in never understood it. Well, I think in part because it's not yesterday for so many people. I think one of the things that people miss is that a lot of things are still 
live emotionally. And when something is live emotionally, it's not in the past. It's right now. It's in the right now. It hasn't moved into the past. Um, and until you are able to get rid of that trigger, to have it, to, to work on the emotion so that it doesn't become a full-fledged emotional overload when somebody brings up a subject, it doesn't calm down enough for anybody to have any distance from it for it to no longer be threatening. And yet, the farther away it gets, the more likely we are to wipe it out. But in the here and now, I look at, for instance, what is being done in Florida in terms of slavery. I'm two generations out of slavery. My mother's father was the youngest child and the only one born free. His older brothers were born slaves. I heard those stories from the horse's mouth. Mm. So in standing up in defiance to they learned skills they could use later, excuse me, I'm still alive to tell you, no, they didn't. Excuse me, no, not the way that worked. So if you want to rewrite that history when you still have living memory, does that mean you're coming after me? Yes. And then you wonder why I'm screaming so loudly? I mean, it, it's and the same. And what I'm protesting about? You know, it's the same thing with, the, with the, um, the Holocaust survivors. We still have some of them, not many left, but we still have some of them. But, we all, but what we do have a lot of are children of and grandchildren of Holocaust survivors. And it's amazing to see that uh, too being rewritten the attempts at rewriting it while we're watching the same progression happen in yes. front of our eyes. Down to Jewish people who aren't moving, who aren't taking it in, who are othering what's going on and thinking that they're going to be okay. You know, I, I, you know, cause Florida has a huge Jewish population. Yes. Um, and there has not been as much of a mass exodus as I expected. Um, and it, it, it baffles me. It baffles me that people, I should also say, it's got a huge Jewish population and, and because they're, they're older, many of them have money. So I understand why there are a lot of gay and lesbian people who have not left Florida who don't have the actual, don't feel they have the actual monetary means to leave. I get that, right? But I cannot understand how you could be a Jewish person and live in that state now. How you could not, not be using your money to change it or protect others from it. From it, yeah, but they're not. But they're not. So to me, it's like if you're not in there fighting against DeSantos, if you're not in there making a big stink and 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 you know out there trying to stop book burnings and things like that then how the hell are you living there? Or creating havens. I'm going to give yeah. you one more option. I look at some of our next generations, a couple of them you know. You know Luke and his Victor, who are setting up a place called the Index to be a haven for our next generation when they can't leave Florida, but they know with the Index they're safe. You haven't yeah. seen Library Lane yet, 
but we're looking at adding one more home to Library Lane so that there will now be seven houses on one street that are all LGBTQ friendly. Yeah. Um, to provide that if you can hit here, you're safe. And yeah. to keep creating these havens in the state of Washington, Phoenix, who I know you know, mm -hmm. has created, a, I think it's a 15-acre haven. So have Jody and Liza Shibley. Creating these havens. If you don't want to leave a place, then create a haven. Use your money to do something. Yeah. I mean, create I think that even where we can't be hurt. Yeah. Do something that's gonna that's gonna that's gonna further things because there are lots of people who won't be able to get out. Yeah. We moved from the south to the north deliberately. The political climate up here is better. Um, I'm not, I mean, you know, I, I wait to see how things develop. It's better. Um, I've always thought of the UK as actually having some more sense than America and things like this, but. You Until know, recently, we talked, I right. thought you all had better sense. Well, but recently, it recently, it, it's, we haven't, they passed, um, they passed uh, a law that limits the right to protest um, last year. Um, that, that you know makes it easy for the police to arrest you for no apparent reason. Um, there's protests going on at the moment uh, about sex education in schools, saying that sex education has no place in a school, and it's up to the parents to teach because uh, the woke agenda is being pushed in schools. So we shouldn't have sex education at all. I I'm like, wait, when wait, I- That's an American disease. Y'all aren't supposed to be having that. Oh, uh, we have the same disease. Um, when I, um, when I um, moved here, we had the worst teen pregnancy rate in Europe and a whole bunch of work was done and it got better. And part of that work was about providing some sex education, right? So, um, so it got better. Um, but um, because of the craziness and the, the polarization that's gone on, you know, so uh, the crazy, so, so schools who are changing language to take away gendered language um, and, 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 not in any kind of a nice, well thought out way. It's just, and now you're going to do this. I don't care what you think. This is this is how we're going to be inclusive. Um, and how extremely polarized the debate around gender has become. That's led to things like an, an attempt to get sex education removed from school because that's part of the same lesson. So... Now they should be, I mean, I don't, I despair. There are actually ways that are nuanced of teaching about all the things that are out in the world without suggesting that somebody follow a particular path or become a particular way. Yes. You, you can actually teach and just say, these are the things that exist. And where would you like to be? You, you, you in will, that great pile of things that right. Is you will find yourself in a place. 
I'm not going to try and create a path for you. That's not my job. But I'm going to tell you that there are all these things. And I find it absolutely perplexing why that can't be done. But right now, the big debate is over whether biology is valid or not. We had um, politicians Wait, being what? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Biology, whether biology is valid. So we had politicians on television being asked uh, to define no, what no, they, no. They, they, they were asked to define what a woman was. And the definition of a woman was somebody who believes they're a woman. So um, circular definitions don't work. But when you were pressed on that, it's still if you identify as a woman, you're a woman. So somebody said, to a politician, one of the relatively right-wing correspondents said to a politician, do women have penises? That was the question. And the response was some women do. And that was as far as it went. So you open that door and that's it? Yeah, because what is seen as acceptable now is to say that you identify how you identify, and that's it. That's all that's necessary. And biology is irrelevant. We're not, you're not, you don't talk about biological sex anymore because that's transphobic. Except that biology has an impact on every aspect of our lives. So to not talk about biology becomes a problem. You know, this sounds like a bad Woody Allen movie. But this is what's going on at the moment. So, I mean, we got it to, I mean, there's a, you know, the labor leader on television being asked, does a man, you know, do women have penises? Some women have penises. That's a wonderful place to start a discussion. Not okay. end That's one. the end of the discussion. That's the end. that's the end of discussion. So that's where we are. That's what's going on over here, right? Where there's nowhere there's there's a nuanced discussion about this. And anytime there is, anytime somebody stands up and says, "Well, actually, men and women are biologically different," and yes, there are people who are transgendered, and they are different than biological of the same gender. So there's biological women and trans women, then people get clobbered for saying that there's a difference between them. Your gender choices are your choices. Uh, that's not. But your chromosomes become a whole different issue. Well, yeah. And so then they'll argue about chromosomes. That the science. What? That there are 42 pair instead of 23? What? 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 There's a whole thing about that the, the conversation goes on to speak about intersex people and that yes. that biology is a spectrum and that okay and that um, what is it's not valid or valuable to talk about biology and and sex and gender get conflated regularly but the the party overall party line at the present time is that gender is what's important. So 
have a funny feeling that might be different to uh, an oncologist who wants to talk to you about ovarian cancer. Thank you. If your biology has no bearing, um, then I think I think actually, but but ovarian cancer it is is an easy one to make the discussion about. But let's talk about the fact that there there are different rates of diff, of cancers that don't have to do with reproductive organs in biologically. Don't you need biology to have you do, a you do. reference on that? You do, but talking about that has become a problem because it makes a distinction between kinds of women and kinds of men. Actually, nobody nobody worries about it with kinds of men. There's no no, no loud voices there. There's no men screaming that everything needs to be the same there. The loud voices are all around women. Then um, are we coming back to that woman as possession issue? Well, I find it an interesting concept, but you know, I don't, I don't think it'd go very far in a conversation here. It's very, it's very incendiary. It's become a situation where you cannot have a nuanced discussion about this. And it's very divided in lots of areas of the country and, um, and around, around school and sex ed is one of the big areas because that's where people are being taught about gender and sex and, and sexuality. So that's become a hugely contentious area. Therefore, um, there are uh, a, a small set of parents who believe that the solution to that is to stop having that taught. Let's, for the sake of, of argument, Continue that 25 years down the road. Nothing has been taught because parents won't and therefore the school cannot. What happens with this generation now, theoretically, getting ready to have their next generation or having it when there is no factual knowledge for them to refer to? Well, and this is one of the problems. And this is what you're talking about when we're talking about preserving history and why that means paper paper things, not just digital things. Because at the moment, the vast majority of sex education happens by people going on the internet. The mo thing that's most accessible to teens on the internet is pornography. They don't necessarily understand that that is entertainment and not education. Um, and so there's a lot of beliefs that come from that. They also learn from influencers. Now, some people who are influencers are well-educated and know what they're about. Yes. But, right. But there um, are, there are a, an overabundance of people with no life experience and no education who are pronouncing whatever they have picked up along the way and whatever they have decided is right to many hundreds of thousands, if not millions. And that's where they're learning. So that's where we get this trend of choking being an, a perfectly acceptable without even thinking about it as a sexual practice. 
or using a belt to tie your partner up without understanding that you can get nerve damage and shit like that because nobody's telling them that because they don't they don't have a source of information and they don't know where to go for trusted information. Um, I have a, a person that I met who's a TikToker who's got a very large audience um, who's also a psychologist who I like very much. Um, we got together after one of my shows and then she's just recently been on, been on the po podcast. We did K is for kink talk and kinkstagram. Love it. We wanted to talk about what's going on on social media. And she spends a lot of time in her, um, her lives and her social media posts debunking shit that people are putting out there or trying to teach young people how to vet and understand the quality of the information. Yes. I spend a lot of time doing that, only I don't do as much of it on social media because I get too fed up. But I mean, I had a run in with somebody on social media who is leather and in their early 20s and was saying some shit that I was just like, don't know where this person got it, but it just, okay, that's not good information. And I got attacked because, you know, just because you're older doesn't mean you know things. I'm like, well, actually, yeah, I do. it does. Actually, it does because I've been doing this for 40 years you could say that if i was older and i walked into um kink and bdsm two years ago then no it, that my age would not give me any leverage but the fact that i've been doing this and i've been educating and here's the thing 20 dot year olds early 20s giving relationship advice is a joke how many relationships have you had when you're 23 years old? You can talk about your experience. I have no problem with that. But like giving advice about how to live your life. How, you are 23 years old. You haven't had enough life to live. live to talk about it. I mean, seriously, I'd had a lot of life by the time I was 23. I wouldn't have trusted me if I was given relationship advice. Fuck's sake. I mean. It was disastrous, right? And I'd actually lived quite a lot, more than many people by that point. Um, but, I was worried. But you've lived at 43 and 53. And now and 60, on. you know, yeah. The wisdom and the differences. Oh, and there's a huge difference. And God, God forbid somebody should take my history away. You know, what I learned for myself and then what I learned from people who came before me. Because I've had the privilege of being able to be around people who came before me. And I've also had the privilege of being able to read. And I started saying to you earlier, like for me, um, because there was no internet, because we're talking about the 70s, right? There was no internet. Um, it wasn't even a whisper at that point. Um, you know, I learned stuff about myself at the library. That's where I first discovered yeah. things. Um, I found books. I found the story of O. I found Venus and Furs. I found 120 Days of Sodom. I went and read these things and went, hmm. And I found Havelock Ellis actually. And I found, right, because I was an academic one. And I found a lot of things that I read that I probably, that I know I didn't understand. 
that I didn't have a deep enough understanding of, but it gave me a framework to start to understand something well about said. myself. Well said. That's all it gave me was a framework to build on. And through experience, those early stories, those early books took on more relevance because experience then was linked back to that first writing and you went, oh, that's what he meant. Yeah. And then sometimes I went, well, that's rubbish. That's bullshit. Fuck that. I don't agree. Right. But often, you know, oh, well, now I understand that differently. And I, I mean, I have that with all sorts of stuff. You know, I moved to the United Kingdom in 1990. And, and I think I was here for 10 years, not even, no, about six years when I started to understand half of the lyrics of the Rolling Stones completely differently. I because do. Yeah, yes. It's a different language. And I remember I had shown up for a conference and I'd been flying and I was exhausted. And I said, oh my God, I'm shattered. And people were like, oh, what are you upset about? And I'm, I'm shattered doesn't mean upset. It means exhausted. So when they sing I'm shattered, my, my brain's been battered, scattered all over Manhattan, right? It's not, it's not emotional. It's I've been up partying all night. <laughs> You know, and um, it's a completely so it's a completely different framework. It's the same, you know. It's the same for looking at, at some of the sexual writing that I read earlier on. Marco Vassi, for example. I, I was a big Did fan of Marco Vassi. Have a clue how few people know his writing? Uh yes, I do, and I think it's tremendously sad. And I have a lot of his stuff here. I have paper. most of it as well as photos of him at one of my house parties. Oh my God. That's wonderful. I have, I have a lot of his stuff. Um, and, and, and I will say that the man who tried to end my life was the one who gave me Marco Vassi because he, you know, he wasn't all bad, right? You know, there were, there was a, there was a period of two weeks where things were decent and consensual and there was stuff he gave me to read because of things I was interested in. And he was like, yeah, read this. This is going to challenge you. You're going to like some of it. Then you're going to not want to like other bits of it. One of the things that I love, and I was telling somebody about this in terms of erotica, and I think this is another reason why it's so important, because this is the stuff that gets wiped out because it's so um, controversial. Like It is so important to have the erotica that does challenge you. And he was the first author that I read who had things that you didn't want to find erotic because you felt like you should be disgusted, but they were erotic. Welcome and, to Marco's writing. Yeah, and that was that was his thing. He was constantly trying to push your buttons that way. And um, and then James, you know James Williams' book, but I know what you want. It's a, it's it's a similar vein, and and I and I sometimes write like that. So like. Um, there's a couple of stories in Chopping Wood that are similar. And, and um, somebody did a review of one of it. It was like, well, this was fine and that was fine, but you know, I couldn't really go there. But I've had other people call me and go, I didn't want to like that. I really didn't want to like that because I should not be turned on by that. I'm like, no, that's the whole point. That's the whole point. With my memoir, that was something that people said that, you know, a couple of people got really upset. They thought they would, they were horrified because they thought that I would be upset that they were turned on by some of the stuff that happened to me non-consensually. 
And so they were horrified. And I was like, no, no, that's, that's the point. That's the point, point, right? Because, because we're twisted that way. And because some of that's in the writing and the telling of it, that's, that's part of the way it is. And that's, I got that from Vassy. I definitely got that from Vassy. Um, I'm always thrilled when somebody actually knows who he is. We have um, nine, 10, nine of his books sitting on the shelf in the first room in my sister's reading room. And most people go right past him because Marco left us before he really was discovered, before he could be honored. Mm-hmm. as a great writer not just as a great writer who happened to be a gay man right as a great writer writer yeah and uh other than stories that i've told about marco or the classic wives of marco Voss, uh <laughs> i haven't heard anyone talk oh, yeah. about Right. One of one of my favorites, um, you know, and and but and keeping in mind when I just when I was introduced to him, I was nineteen, um, and yeah, so it really there that probably tells you a lot more about my kink, <laughs> because that's when that's when I was introduced to him. But I remember the one of the fun things for me was he was so transgressive, because like the organic corporophiliac is is one of the stories that stands out that was like okay this is just wrong mm-hmm. this is just every bit about this is wrong and you can't put it down and you kept reading yes and and i was like wow let me go back and look at this again let me look at the whole book again what else did he do and so i started collecting from then because it was like ah this is this i it, there's something of the, about the way in which he just puts it in your face and for me the experience was backwards i got to know marco as a person before i ever knew he was a writer oh my god because oh my he was hanging out at the clubs he was at right. and right and the, you know dealing with the wives of of Marco Varsi, VK Annie, you know, Veronica, all of the women who were part of that inner circle were all friends in the clubs. And it's like, well, why have you read thee? What? Marco's a writer. Oh, he was a great, fetching, card carrying, delightful pervert. No, he's a writer. Oh. <laughs> I need to run up to the bookstore on 7th and grab something. Yeah, good idea. And then in two weeks when we're at the club again, let's talk about it. Okay. Yeah, so that's a completely different way. I would have loved to have met him. I would have loved to have met him. I mean, he was wicked. I'm sure he was. Humorous. What did you just say? And then he's like, oh, I said, and you didn't know whether or not you should react to the smile or punch him for what just came out of his mouth. And more often than not, you just reacted to the smile and rolled on. I mean, I just, uh, that he was so influential in 
me making sense of stuff in the early, you know, sort of, and then in the aftermath of what I experienced, um, he did not get thrown out. It was one of the things I returned to, and it was helpful in making it sense of things. Again, you know, stuff that's transgressive. Um, it's stuff that brings us close to edges. For me, it's always something that I found fascinating and that I was drawn to. So that kind of writing helped to make sense. And, you know, some of his stuff, you get bits of his real life because he talks about it. And so that gave me a little bit more context about what was going on at the time that he was coming up with this shit. But he's somebody I could easily see being taken off the face of the earth. And not only can you, I refuse to let his work be burned. You can't yeah. destroy my memories of Mark. Yeah. And I can still tell you a few stories and direct you to people who can tell you more. So uh, you don't get to wipe that out because not only is the work still living, so is the memory. And that comes back to one of the passions. It has now become a mission of the library, which is also training our storytellers, our griots. So that if you push that button and wipe out everything that says kink, there are enough storytellers around that the anecdote can still be told over and over and over again. Most tribal people, a few kept their stories in writing and in pictographs, most kept them in the minds of the griot, of the storyteller. Yeah, and passed, and, and passed down that way. And we need more of them. Well, yeah, because there's a lot more to hold. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That is so important. We have entered an age of burning, Jewel. And uh, there are not enough of us. Far too many are willing to go placidly. And I just can't. No. You can't. But there aren't <laughs> enough of us who are screaming. No. No, there aren't. I still, I can't get my head around walking that path again and not, and, and not having learned anything, not having internalized any survival skills, not having understood that we have to pay attention to, to what's going on now. We have to pay attention to where we should have been not having understood this years ago. I mean, I don't, I just can't get my head around people who have survived becoming so complacent that they can allow this to continue to happen. I understand wanting to rest. Hmm. I get it. I'm over 70. I get it. But I also know I have grandchildren of my heart, not of my body, who are being battered and bruised, 
by these these powers that want to take away the very essence of who they are and the proof that someone walked that path before them can't do it yeah just can't do it so we hide the evidence on shelves so that when the time comes that their history has been wiped out come on kids grandpaps got you grandmom's got you your great-grandparents have you come on here you are safe and here your ancestors walk they want to talk to you their words are still on the shelves every well i've told you before if i can steal it beg it borrow it yep you just don't get to burn it somewhere in this great kingdom maybe someone who's listening to us now will hand me the check that's going to let me create a library, not just of kink, but of banned books. Yeah, I would love to see that. I want that library. I tell you, I really would love to see that. that. I think every single book that is being banned and has been banned needs to be somewhere. I want that library. I want to build that library. And why not? If it's banned, there's a reason. Yeah. If the book makes you uncomfortable, that's the book you should be reading. If only to learn the lesson from it. Why is it making you uncomfortable? And even if it's not relevant to you, and sometimes it's not, you know, sometimes you look at it and you're like, well, I'm supposed to be uncomfortable, but I'm not. My compatriots are uncomfortable. I'm going to protect this because there's reason for it to be there yes you know there there are there are shitty books right and and they're they're bad books bad in the sense of poorly written they're poorly written yes there are poorly written books there are shitty books you were going to say yeah there are shitty books there are poorly written books that i might not really want to save because but i'm not gonna nobody's burning those let's be let's be clear about this that's not what's being burnt Stuff that's being burnt isn't something that was written by some guy who was sitting, you know, in his basement writing. I mean, this there's some of this stuff probably should be, um, you know, writing um, erotica that is is not erotica. It's just baseless, horrible junk, right? Nobody's burning that. People are burning well-written shit. People are burning things that hold history. People are burning things that have reality to them. People are burning Fahrenheit 451. I know, I can't believe it. I mean, what the fuck? Uh, The thing that started, I got into a discussion a couple of weeks ago with one of my young griots who said, why, why are you like this? And it was a loving question. She just didn't understand my obsession. And I said, in my sanctuary, which was my public library, some people decided that um, they were going to remove Huck Finn, Mark Twain, and Lady Chatterley's lover from the shelf and burn them on the library steps. The day I came home from college, my mom had told me about it. The day I came home from college, I stopped by the library and the scorch marks were still there on my library steps. You defiled my library. How could you? You're uncomfortable. Eight people are uncomfortable. 
So you burn something that has been read by millions? Could you, how dare you try to impose your will over someone else's? Let them make their own damn decisions. Leave it alone. So I want it all. Every book I can get my hands on, somebody before I leave this earth and become an ancestor is going to give me the money for that library. Every banned book, because obviously we don't learn. Yeah, but we absolutely need there to be a safe place where all of these are. I still, you know, I still, I intellectually understand people's fears people's needs yes right i intellectually i intellectually get it but emotionally i have never been able to get my head around why somebody should think that they should control what i can read what i can learn how i can love any of those things don't make sense to me like why should that have any impact on you and the teacher in me understands. I have an intellectual understanding yep. of it. What I don't understand is why you don't take that and use it as a teaching moment. If it strikes you with that much fear, then use it as an example to scare somebody else rather than destroy it. Hi, these are the wrong, these are the ideas that go against Allah. Look at what this is. These are the ideas that go against Buddha. Look at what this is. Well, but they can't do that. Or you know what? That. You know what? But you know why they can't do that? Because anytime you show somebody an idea, it's possible that they will look at it and go, yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe it's okay. Actually, maybe, maybe there's something in that. Maybe I understand that. Maybe that's acceptable on some level. But burn it and people are going to go chase it because no matter what, you will never destroy all of it. Um, Heinrich Hein, I have to actually think of the German philosopher's name, said that a hundred years before the rise of the Third Reich. That a society that burns a book must ultimately, and it's this is badly paraphrased, must ultimately burn people. The idea is, the book isn't dangerous, the idea is. So are we going to let it happen? One of the few things, and while this statement is controversial, I salute about the Vatican is they grab those copies and lock them away. You can't access the Vatican archive without a wing of prayer and, you know, a holy writ from God. But it is there. They condemned them. They called them heretical. But they didn't destroy them, at least not all of them. No, because the history was important. Bingo. And the history remains important. I don't like it. I'm going to lock it up. I'm going to make sure only the finest intellects can get a hold of it. But I'm not going to let you destroy it either. I salute that. I don't have to always agree with it because I want access to that library so badly I can taste it. <laughs> but I salute that. Yeah. Hmm. 
So in service of somebody getting you that check, where can they find you? Um, they can find us on Little Street in Evansville, Indiana. They can find us on Facebook, which is probably the best way to find not just the mothership, as Evansville is called, but most of the annexes as well. They can find us in Second Life. The Carter Johnson in Second Life is stunningly gorgeous. They can find us all over the U.S., hidden in little places that they wouldn't expect. And uh, if you scream loud enough on Facebook, FedLife, or in a whole lot of other social media places, scream loud enough for the Carter Johnson, somebody will tell you where we are. Even you, my darling, you'll tell yes, them. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed, I will. So I have to thank you. This conversation was great. We could talk for hours, but they don't let me do that. Yeah, true. And see, I managed to stay pretty much off my soapbox about book burning. No, you did really well. Um, you still so, have ears, so I didn't singe them. No, you didn't singe them. So guys, thank you so much again for listening. Next week, the letter is Q, and Q is for Quirky. And I am being joined by... Um, a, an incredible new author. Um, Terry's amazing. Watch this space. And as usual, if there is a topic that you want to hear about or a person you want to hear from, email me at lauriebeth at drlauriebethbisbee.com. Please, please, please keep it succinct. Um, don't forget, if you review the show or review any of the books, your name will go into a lottery for 30 minutes free with me, which is like gold dust these days. I draw one name a month. This is the only way that you get that time free with me. So if you think you would like some of my time, this is a great way to get yourself in the running. But do remember, if you've done the review, you need to let me know. I can't put your name in the draw if I don't know that you've done it. So do email me at lauribeth at drlauribethbisbee.com. If you want an easy way to access time with me, you might consider joining my private members club. It's certainly the most cost-effective way of engaging with me. Every month there will be a live, there will be open question and answer in the group and a lot of exclusive content. Um, you can find the details of it underneath in the show notes head over to my website, drlauriebethbisbee.com, which is brand new now. And there's a lot more information about every other thing that I am doing. I look forward to seeing you all next week. Stay safe.